Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail. Hey, welcome to Life After MLM's Lula Rich companion series, Lula Bitch, a place you can come to find all the tea and everything that was left on the cutting room floor. You're about to hear the personal accounts of the people affected by the MLM LuLaRoe. These stories are our own personal opinions, accounts, and allegations of our experiences within the cult. Some stories may be triggering. Please listen at your own discretion. I think it's that's really important you know like we said at the beginning it's like everybody is a victim and a perpetrator and one I think it's really important uh you know we talked about accountability one taking up accountability for yourself like we have and like so many have and then you know there's accountability on Lula Rose side too you know and and they haven't taken yeah. accountability and I think a lot of us have taken accountability yes I joined yes I spent too much money Yes, I got sucked into the hoopla, but it was all designed this way in a system that like just churned us out like cogs in a machine and really just created destruction in its wake that maybe none of us even anticipated until it was far, far, far too late. And Lula needs to take accountability for their actions in creating that frenzy. If they really cared about teaching us anything about being fashion retailers, they would have taught taught us about merchandising, not saying get 20 in every single size and pray it sells. There's a lot of things that it's like, if they really wanted to do it this way, they would have done it that way. If they really wanted it to be successful in long-term, they would have done this instead of that. And I think when we connect a lot of the dots, we do start to realize that this was maybe not ever always meant to be long, like long-term no, and always a scam and uh, a money mill churning, like just a, an ATM to churn money out. I mean, the amount of things that they have, the amount of money that they have hidden in offshore accounts, the amount of money that they have hidden in shell companies that own things that they've bought with LuLaRoe money, it's... It's insane. It's It's very sneaky. And I wonder how many of, I wonder how much of that money is clean. Yeah. Um, Probably not a lot of it. It makes me really sad too, because I really believed in the culture, like looking back at the time when we joined and like 2016, when Simon um, Sinek spoke at conventions, And it almost makes me wonder, like, what did he, like, like, does he just, like, talk to anybody? Because, like, I honestly still really like him. Yeah, you know, a lot of these inspirational speakers uh, and business professionals and even entertainers and performers, they, they come and they perform at these events. I don't know how much of them or I don't know how many of them do their research on the company, like, deep into the company before they perform or before they speak. Um, yeah. But Lula Rose have Simon Sinek. Lula Rose had Les Brown. 
they've had a lot of like people speak that for me, I just don't think these people are doing all of the homework and all of the research and these teams for these celebrities and these speakers need to be doing more research and more homework into these companies and going, these companies don't actually uphold the values of, of what we believe in. So we're going to have to pass. I wish Mm -hmm. more paid people did that. Yeah. I also feel like, um, Rachel Hollis is definitely deep in the MLM cult. Oh yeah. She performs at every single one of them. And I feel like if she could find a way to make herself an MLM, she would. Well, she even like said in her last book, how like people at MLMs are stupid. Like she fully said that in her book and they still follow her around. Like she's the golden God. It's very interesting. It's the, the cult of MLM is just mind boggling. I haven't read any of her books. That's how much I don't like her. <laughs> yeah, no, I have not read any of her books either. No. So how excited are you for Lula Rich to come out? I am super stoked. I'm excited to see how it plays out and how everything is depicted. Yeah, um, I, I am really excited. Um, this has been four years in the making. I remember when they, when they contacted me last summer and they asked me and they said, you know, who they were and that they'd been following me since the Vice documentary uh-huh. and, and following me and, and watching what I was doing. They asked me if I was interested. And I said, I've been waiting for this phone call for a long time. <laughs> You're like, yes. Um, and so, you know, it just, it feels like the culmination of a lot of my work. Um, I know Robert Fitzpatrick's in it. He's one of my, my colleagues in, in the fight against pyramid schemes and I know that he had a lot of really great things to say about pyramid schemes and LuLaRoe as well. Um, and I know that when I did my interview, I talked a lot about the MLM aspect of LuLaRoe and anti-MLM and MLM in general. Um, so I'm hoping a lot of that made it in. Again, like people yeah. have already seen it when, they, when they're hearing this, but like I haven't seen it yet and I don't get to see it until the Twitter party with everybody else. So um, I'm very curious to see what's in it um and how I come across I hope I come across as how I come across on TikTok and the podcast and everywhere else because it'd be really weird if the movie like had me completely different of how I actually am (laughs) I don't want to make some predictions with you you want to make some predictions okay so this is fun so Katie actually in her after LuLaRoe life um but why don't you tell them so in my after LuLaRoe life and I guess probably during my LuLaRoe life. And that's probably how I managed to sell my team for $10,000 and run away. (laughs) Um, I have always kind of been intuitive. And so after LuLaRoe, I started working as a psychic medium and I do cards and talk to spirit and all of that kind of stuff. And I I love that too. I've always really had like an, an intuitive feeling my whole life. And I love tarot cards. I read them all the time for myself and my friends. Um, and a year ago you read cards for me and made predictions. <laughs> yes. Oh my um, gosh. Should we read it? Yeah, let's read them. Okay. So let's find where they are. Of course, as soon as I close the book, now it's gone again. There it is. Okay. So last year when we did your reading, um, It said, I am creating a beautiful sisterhood full of trust and understanding. I am helping sculpt a path to new ways of thinking. I mean, yes, I agree with that. 
<laughs> I mean, that is just so fantastic that that is what came out like a year ago. Right. And like, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I really didn't start actively doing anything um, really and, and wanting to create content until January because I've had a lot of personal stuff in my life and I just didn't have the time or the mental capacity. But I told myself that 2021 was going to be my year. And so I started doing all of this stuff um, in January and it's really grown more than I could ever imagine. And I mean, that prediction seems pretty pretty spot on from from June of last year which is crazy um and it's also the crazy thing is because you weren't doing TikTok at that time either I think you were just doing TikTok with Abby yeah we were just doing like Shit's Creek stuff we weren't we weren't actually doing anything anti-MLM I think I had maybe a thousand followers yeah it was mostly just like your funny stuff which I miss her on TikTok she was hilarious um so it's funny. So when I pulled cards for you before we started recording, the same cards came up again. Oh my God, so, for real? Yeah. So three of wands is here, um, which if anybody isn't familiar with cards, three of wands is like big decisions um, and rapid expansion. Yay. So like big growth. And then, and then I think you told me this one was showing up for you earlier. High priestess. Yeah, yeah, I got that one the other day. Um, and then the Empress, Ooh. which that's, I think, showing up because of how nurturing you've been with everybody. I, um, I like that. One that's really interesting to me that, like, is coming up is this, like, sneaky swords card and, like, the win at all costs. So I'm wondering who in the movie that's going to be about. The win at all costs, huh? And it's the one yep. of swords. It's five of swords. And it's almost like this person has stabbed people in the back. So I don't know if there's somebody in the film, which obviously when this podcast is released, we'll have already seen it, but that they have um, left, that they left and then immediately like stabbed Mark and Deanne in the back. That's almost what the sense I'm getting here. Oh, wow. Okay. I have some um, ideas. But I don't, again, I haven't yeah. seen it, so I don't know how it plays out, but I have some ideas. Yeah, no, and I don't want to name drop here any either. So I just kind of want to leave everyone on their seats. Um, but again, everyone will have already seen this by the time it comes out. I do think once people see this, it's going to make some people really question their behavior, which will be a really interesting because contemplation is coming up a lot too. Ah, yeah. I think a lot of people, that is a theme that I see a lot on the podcast and people that find the podcast is that uh -huh. I get these emails from people that were like, look, I was a hun for years. I've been in network marketing for 23 years. I, you know, I left a couple of years ago for whatever reason to retire, et cetera, et cetera. And I started listening to your podcast and I'm connecting in every single episode. And I'm realizing that I think I was a hun and I don't even realize that I was acting this way. And I feel so bad. And I say, it's okay. That's you were designed you were a good hunbot. You were designed that way and you, you operated in such a way that made you successful. And, and they're just like, oh my God, I, I have all these feelings that I'm processing now. And it's like, yeah, there are going to be a lot of feelings. I think, like you said, coming out of people processing things where they're like, oh my God, I, I was a perpetrator too. 
And that's a really hard thing to process through. And I let people know, you know, leaving MLM and figuring out and seeing what it really is, this insidious cult of like manipulation and like destruction, there's a lot to process. And, And you go through those processes of grief. And a lot of times people get stuck in like that anger stage for a really long time. And I always try to let people know, like process it for sure. Don't skip it, but, but, but don't dwell too long because it it can get really tough in that spot. Yeah. You definitely don't want to stay there. And it's a really big, important thing to make sure that you're kind to yourself because everybody gets duped in some way, shape or form throughout their life. And just because this happened to you, even if, or even if it happened to you a couple of times through a couple different MLMs. It's not your fault that this happened. They prey on people that have certain insecurities, which we all have insecurities. And that is why MLMs are successful and they still get to be around. And so just don't take it too too close to heart because I think that's why people get angry too, is they're so mad at themselves that how could I have let myself get duped? Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, people get really angry at themselves. Like, how could I be so stupid? And it's not that you're stupid. It's that you checked all the boxes that they were looking for when you were in a vulnerable state and they just got you. Yeah. And it, they, they, they are trained to have how to do this. I mean, the mentors and coaches, and I don't think trainers really get much of this. It's more once you have a trainer and you have a bigger team and you're about to coach that you start getting into that, but they really groom you on how to make people want to stay in that. And, oh, well, if you just, have you thought about investing in a new style? So that way you can expand your business, you know, oh, your sales aren't doing well. Well, it's not that you're not a good sales. You're not good at sales. Um, Maybe you just don't have enough inventory. You know, what styles do you carry? Um, And really trying to, make it a solution oriented around the product. And then, you know, you're encouraged any of those Azures. more money. I, no one bought Azures. Okay. They were horrible. I have so many of them in boxes, like just ready for somebody to take them. Anybody want my inventory? You can have it all. Make me an offer. I donated all of my, like anything that I was over my 10 grand limit, I donated to kids in foster care. Yeah. I, um, I kept it because I had a feeling that I would need it. Uh, and I did, I, it was evidence. (laughs) My inventory was evidence and also a star in the show in, in both the Amazon and the uh, Vice documentaries, uh, the Bloomberg articles and things like that. So I've sort of used it as a prop. Um, yeah. And I'm ready to sort of move on from it. You know, I, I don't really focus too much on LuLaRoe obviously now because the movie's coming out, but like the most of my advocacy is just MLM centric and we focus mostly on MLM. And so for me, I don't really need the LuLaRoe stuff anymore. So if anybody wants it, they used to do that. They used to sign tags in LuLaRoe. And if they were like, if you find a tag that was signed by us, you get a free onboarding. You can onboard somebody. And the mentors had to pay for those. They were not like gifts from LuLaRoe that like mentors were signing the tickets. Like the mentors had to pay that. They were like, yeah, you're going to onboard these people. You can afford it. I sign your checks. You can do two. I remember like the mentors being like, dude, I had to buy an onboarding. I can't afford that right now. 
Like they made me sign a ticket and buy an onboarding package for some random person. And I was like, yikes, I don't want to be a mentor. Like (laughs) they're making making you do that. She was like, I was like shamed. Some people were buying like two and three tags and I didn't even want to do one. And they shamed me for it. And I was like, dang, And this was when I was still in. I know you said you pulled the death card the other day, but death, death is here again. Oh, I love death. Death's like my favorite card in tarot. It's seriously my favorite card. I love that. I did pull it. It really is. And like my death card is like one of my favorites because like, look at like the guy on the ground almost looks like Mark. Oh my God. He's being trampled by a horse. The burden of this accomplishment's like totally off now. Like you just get to enjoy the rewards of it. How does that feel? Oh, I'm, man. I, I'm, in, I'm interviewing you right now. I know. This. I was like, How's okay, feel? Little, little swap. Um, the burden. Um, yeah. You know, I really felt the lift of that burden in February when the, when the lawsuit was done, like I really felt the, the majority of the burden lift in February. Um, yeah. And then as the documentary got closer, you know, I'd get text messages from like the producers and the directors saying like, Hey, you know, it's looking like this. And, you know, I knew that I, that I wanted to work on the podcast. Um, I knew that I wanted, you know, I've been doing this for four years and I haven't monetized until this year. Um, and I thought at this point, I have so much behind me and my boots have been on the ground for quite some time fighting against these companies, specifically Hulu but others I've been helping as well. Um, but I was like, okay, t- it's time for me to like actually produce content that people want to hear. And, you know, if something cool comes up, I will monetize if I want to work with people, um, you know, and be picky. I used to be a blogger, so I'm very versed in, in that advertising world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it felt very natural to me of a lot of things in my past just sort of coming together as one. I really love the community that I created that I didn't realize I was creating while I was creating it. Um, I love the podcast, it was so hard to do it in the summer and, you know, taking some time off. And I really appreciate that everybody <laughs> was understanding of that. The summer was just wild. Um, and I'm happy that the podcast is back and I'm happy that Anchor is sponsoring us right now. Um, and I'm able to make a little bit <laughs> of money on these episodes, um, which helps, especially because of COVID and, and my business that was affected. And that was another reason why I started all this too was just sort of have just a secondary something that I had had been working on for so long and was so passionate about. And I always want to make this information free. So I never wanted to like do something where people felt that they had to pay to listen to it. But I felt like adding advertising that that goes along um, isn't nearly as invasive as some of the other ways that I could monetize or yeah. pay for money or things. Um, and so I feel like I, I put in a lot of work and I, I've put in a lot of time and effort and energy and the way that I'm choosing to do things feels very authentic and natural to me and not rushed or forced or anything. And that was, that mm-hmm. was the main concern for me is making sure that my advocacy was like the highlight of everything. And then like, oh, Hey, I'm going to get to make a little bit of money um, with advertising through my podcast and through my TikTok. Um, it, it's been very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like I, I did it in a way that it wasn't spammy or culty or scammy or anything like that, because, you know, I'm dealing with, with victims of, of predatory commercial cults and financial scams. And the last thing I want them to, to feel is that I'm trying to scam them out of more money. Yeah. So, no, so I that's why understand. I monetize in the way that I do. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I totally you know, So 
that that's that was my main burden was just working toward now and yeah I just feel like at this point now it's like being a bride the night before the wedding it's like there isn't really anything else I can do if things go wrong they go wrong but I've done everything I can to this point and now I just am gonna enjoy the fruits of my labor yeah no that's super exciting I'm glad that's coming through because I was really worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. Did your dad ever show up as a chariot for you? You know, I get the chariot sometimes, but here's the thing. Uh, I've never thought of him as the chariot um, until you just said that. But here's the thing. I always manifest the chariot in my head as like, a like a fiery red convertible with like mm-hmm. a like a and I, I imagine kind of a guy that looks like my dad like a John Travolta Danny Zuko kind of guy driving in this cherry red convertible um and it makes sense that my dad would manifest that way uh because he has like a really gnarly scar on his arm from a really bad car accident he was in when he was younger where he wrapped a jaguar around his telephone pole and my whole life growing up people like my guy friends would see this gnarly melted scar on my dad's forearm and be like, Oh, what happened? And he'd be like, I got in a fight with a Jaguar. And all the guys would be like, Whoa. And I mean, it was technically true. (laughs) Um, so when I pulled cards earlier and then when I pulled cards the second time, like it came up twice and he's definitely coming through as a chariot. So that's funny that like you pull the chariot sometimes. And he just wants you to know that he's super proud, but like, he's definitely like that black and white, like very, like just there for you type person. Like yeah. he'll tell you when something's stupid, but like he was kind of wild and loud on his own too. Exactly. And here's the funny thing is like, my dad hated pyramid schemes. And had he been alive when I did this, he probably would have been like, this is a pyramid scheme. And I would have never done it. I also would have never been vulnerable enough to get sucked into MLM because my life with MLM happened right after he died. So I think had he not even died, I I would have never even been where I am here now, but Mm -hmm. my dad like hated pyramid schemes and would be like, that's a scam. But he also loved Cutco knives. So it's very hard for me. It's like, there's this conundrum of like, but you hate them, but they're good knives. And I was like, you can't have both. (laughs) I know it's so hard to find good knives. Um, I like this brand Kulina. If you're looking for a good knife that isn't a pyramid scheme, it's a, it's a USA brand one. Um, and they usually have like a deal, like buy two, get one free. So they turn out to be a pretty good price. And I usually will buy them on like, and then my dad and brother each have one. Like that's these. Ooh, yeah, okay. That's these. Okay. Perfect. They, they, they look like, they look like, um, almost like little meat, ha- meat axes. <laughs> A cleaver, mm-hmm. <laughs> a yeah, meat <that>. axe. <laughs> I mean, we got there. We got there. It's a cleaver. It's called it's a meat fine. cleaver. But yes, yes, those ones. <laughs> meat axe sounds better. I kind of like meat axe. Like meat axe works for me. Babe, go get me the meat axe. Gotta cut this brisket. <laughs> it's time to chop the meat. <laughs> I'll be on the yard with the meat axe, chopping the meat. (laughs) Gotta chop this brisket down. Dinner's in five. 
seriously like I mean this is this is what happens like I can't even tell you how many of these podcast chats turn into us just like laughing and being ridiculous it happens all the time (laughs) your hermit's here too but I feel like that's like one of your spirit guides he's been guiding you a a while that's I feel like that's me like that's my ADHD is my hermit who's like hey well, we should probably start editing those podcast episodes that are coming up tomorrow. I'm like, oh yeah, we should probably do that. Yeah, Sneaky Snarky's back again. They want they 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 really want everybody to know that um, like divine orchestration is like in the works here, and like there's a lot of like subtlety that's about to come out. Like everything is just it's almost like the divine of it, and like it's going to be like a subtle fall apart if that makes sense. So what you're saying is the ship is sinking, the house of cards is falling, and the pyramid is crumbling? Basically, yes. But I don't think that anybody's going to be able to make it out okay, like that has participated in this. I feel like, and I've been saying it for months, that you need to make your events. Yeah. I I, think you and I both have said that. (laughs) I've told people, you know, I said, this is coming, you know, there's something, well, not this specifically, but things are coming. You need to make your amends and you need to figure out where your loyalties are and where you stand. Unfortunately, I mean, like I've said a million times, perpetrator, victim. Okay. I was 100% a perpetrator and I was 100% a victim at one point. I, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I'm 50, 50, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what I was. I didn't feel like a perpetrator. But obviously I was, I had 75 girls underneath me. I, even though I tried to convince some of them not to join, they still did. And I still felt responsible for them when they had problems. It was them. It was my caring for them that made me even go up the chain of command to ask what was going on at all, Mm -hmm. which led to, you know, like the onions just peeling back. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing is there are people that knew things and that didn't that weren't honest about it and they're trying to protect themselves and unfortunately they think they're trying to keep themselves safe and everything is going to crack apart when they do that when you do that because it's not honest and unfortunately when you choose to be a part of something as big as this is I mean because this isn't something like where the vice documentary was on Facebook and it got several million views but it's not on Amazon Prime where you sit down on the couch and like flip on Amazon because I don't know about you, but like that's my like go to like what's on Netflix, what's in Amazon Prime, and then I'm gonna decide what I'm gonna watch. Oh yeah, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. Those are my three. Yeah. So it's one of those things that it's really going to be a matter of have you been honest about all of the behavior that you participated in while you were there? And what did you do that you haven't part, you haven't brought to light? Because if you don't bring it to light, someone else is going to. Yeah, and there are a lot of amends to be had. And I really hope that that those that need to make amends have made them to those that, that they need to before it's a, a big issue. You know, get in front of it hopefully yeah I do it's out now so who knows what happens I know well like I remember there would be trainings and there would be people like high up just berating us because 
you know, if I can sell this much, why can't you? You're obviously not working hard enough. It's obviously so easy. You're just lazy. Spring is in the air. And with that comes spring cleaning, especially those closets. I am beyond guilty of keeping pieces around that I no longer wear, I'm hoping to fit into again, or I just can't seem to get rid of for whatever reason my brain uses to justify the hanger space. But this year, I am implementing the one-year rule and spring cleaning my wardrobe with the help of Quince. As a sponsor of Life After MLM, shopping with Quince is a great way to support the show and get some cute new items to treat yourself once the purge is over too. Once you put your seasonal and holiday items in the back of the closet, it's time to purge what's left and see what can be donated and what needs to be retired for good. It's only then that you can organize your keepers and see where you can amp up your style for the coming year. And that's where Quince comes in. By partnering directly with top factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing, Quince cuts the cost out of the middleman and passes the savings onto us at 50 to 80% less than similar brands which means you can stretch your dollar and save on great staple pieces that will last through at least a few spring cleanings. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. National Voter Registration Day is kind of a big deal. It's a yearly, nonpartisan holiday celebrating our democracy, and it's all about getting as many people as possible to, that's right, register to vote. So why is that important right now? Well, sure, local and state elections may not get as much attention as the midterms or the presidential elections, but there's still a super important way for you to use your voice to make an impact and help shape the future of your community. And one of the best parts Registering to vote is really easy thanks to organizations like Headcount. Get registered there in minutes and you won't have to worry about registration deadlines in your state. And then you'll be ready to participate in all of your upcoming local, state, and federal elections. That really is a big deal. Head to headcount.org forward slash Spotify now to register. That's headcount.org forward slash Spotify. See at the polls. And. Well, we know that that's not true. We know that that's, again, a no, MLM thing that's across the board. Um, and that's what they tell us. And it's supposed to be, what, some sort of motivational thing? Like, you're not working hard enough. Like, you should work harder. Want to make you feel bad about yourself. And then when you work harder to the bone where you're about to, like, break and you get a tiny semblance of success, we are going to love bomb the fuck out of you to make you think, oh, my God, it works. See, and I guess like that's where I wasn't a good leader in LuLaRoe because when my people had problems, I said, what's going on? And I would ask about the inventory because that's what they told you to do. And that's where I feel like I do people not recognizing it because 
I told them to go buy more stuff. Right. You'd be like, well, how many shirts do you have? Oh, you only have five? Well, you need at least 10. You should get 10. Exactly. Like everybody says at least 10. You should have at least 10. And we were all people that didn't know what we were doing, pretending like we did, leading and teaching those around us how to do what we were doing. But all we were actually doing was pretending to know what we were doing. I mean, honestly, the best thing we could have learned was how to kiss Deanne's ass better. So she could put me in the beta group and I could get special favors. Yeah. The beta group. Um, we're gonna, I've, I've got an interview coming up where we're going to talk about the beta group. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun. Get all the juicy tea. <laughs> I'm excited. You have been such a warrior through all this. So I hope you like recognize that and you have really brought to light like all of the darkness. And I don't really know if any of this would have been done without you. You know, I will say that this was sort of a reluctant thing that happened. Um, I, I use the word we a lot when I talk about things that happened. Like I talk about the podcast or talk about things in LuLaRoe on, on TikTok, on whatever. I use the word we instead of I. Um, because for me, it's a collective effort. And for the most part, there's a group, a pretty, pretty tight knit group that was in the defective group that was sort of the ones that were uncovering everything. Um, there's a couple of them, a couple of us are in the documentary. I hope they talk about it. I really hope they talk about the group because that was, that group was so instrumental in all of this stuff actually even coming out. It was the support group of all of us to have any sort of safety net to speak out and, and talk about what was happening, which led to so many things. And a few months after I joined, um, there had been some drama with some old admins who had been like, like mad and like blocking people for being crazy and like just went on like a crazy blocking oh, yeah. speed. I, I was not in there when that happened. So I joined after that and they had kicked those people out and they were looking for new admins and they came to me and they were like, Hey, you were a leader in LuLaRoe. You're spilling all the tea. Um, would you be willing to be a moderator? And I said, sure. Yeah, I can be a moderator. And so I became part of this ad mod team uh, with Heather and Julie and, and uh, Cambry and, and uh, Maria and Annalisa. And like, there's so many people in there, just such wonderful women who became like a family. I mean, we were in there fighting and, and undigging, digging things up. Becca, but Becca's not in that chat. Adrian, there's so many people that were like so instrumental in, in getting this information out. And so when I use the word, we, I talk about that team and yeah, what happened was when the media started knocking, we all were like, Oh shit. Who's going to talk to the media? Like Bloomberg wants to talk to one of us. Like who, who still has inventory? I was like, I have inventory. Like Roberta, you should talk to them. You should talk to them. Cause you, you're a hairstylist. You know how to talk to people and, and you, you do the live videos and, and, and you should talk to them. I said, okay, I'll talk to them. So that's sort of what happened. Like, it wasn't even like, I want to be the star. I'll talk to him. It was like, oh, none of you guys, you guys think I should? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll be the one to talk to him, which then led to Bloomberg, which led to the podcast, which led to the YouTube channels, which led to um, me helping, you know, I helped and, and we, we helped with the Business Insider articles, our team, our, our team helped with all of these articles that came out from, from the time that we started exposing until now. Um, yeah, they think, oh, our insider source, you know, it's, it's us. It's this huge team of people that, you know, like we're like deep throat, like it's this huge team of people that are like getting this information out there. Um, and I just sort of reluctantly became the face of it because 
I was the one that was in the photo, which led me to be the one that was in the documentary of Vice, which led to my story going out and people hearing my story. And it's like, I know everyone's already heard my story. Like nobody wants to hear it again. I get it. But it's like that sort of led everything down this rabbit hole to where we're at right now. And even the stuff, the stuff that's going to be coming out after this, it's all a domino effect. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't just me, you know, but I was sort of like, when they're all, we're all standing in a line and they're like, who volunteers this tribute? They all sort of took a step back and I wasn't paying attention. And they're like, Roberta, I'll do it. And so (laughs) it's like, it's just kind of a weird story that I happen to just become the face of it. Uh, because I have yeah. the most experience talking to people really outside of LuLaRoe. Um, and I, I think like me just saying yes to that one tiny thing, which is, I tell my kids all the time, I say, always say hi to people, collect this amazing network of friends that you can lean on later in life and like create a beautiful network of people that, that create wonderfulness around you. Um, and, and be really, conscious of these like blessings that come that come your way like the little tiny yeses that are the butterfly effect of things in your life because had I not said yes back then like I wouldn't be here now and yeah. even if I hadn't joined LuLaRoe I wouldn't be here now but even if I hadn't said sure Bloomberg you can come to my house and take pictures of my garage like I wouldn't be here today I just don't think I would I think it all was stepping stones along the way um, and that team of women is still my team of women. If I have questions and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, help me out. They're the ones that, that get me up to date. So I just, I just ended up being the media contact and now I have a movie. So it was kind of strange, but they're all going to get their, their, their just desserts soon too. That, well, I guess not just desserts, but they're all going to get their recognition soon too. I'm so excited for all of you. It's insane. All of this. How did this happen? And then like, you look back and you're like, oh, this is how it happened. And this, and this. I mean, just like, just thinking like, had I said, oh, no, thank you instead, like where I would be in my life today. No. And that's a really good point. And I think that one thing that it's really good to remember is like, no matter what you do in your life is everything has a piece in place in the next part of your life. So you aren't the person you were four years ago. And you aren't the, per- the person you are today isn't the person you're going to be in five years. If you are going through an MLM experience and you are thinking, I have been duped. I'm so angry. How did I let this happen? I'm financially struggling with this. Um, because something I think I told you that we just did is we ended up selling my car that we had ended up taking the money that we got from it and I bought like a $6,000 car so we wouldn't have car debt. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. That's good. Yeah, and I think that we should normalize talking about those kind of things because I think that it's almost shameful that when you live in debt and trying to do the hard things to fix this, but you should be proud of the fact that you are taking those steps. Well, also, I mean, the normalization of parading around and not really showing the debt that comes along with these lifestyles that people parade around. Even celebrities, you find out you're like, MC Hammer has no money. What? You know what I mean? Like, it's that sort of thing where you're like, what do you mean? Where did it all go? And I just don't think people understand how expensive it costs to maintain a lifestyle or, you know, these things that these MLMs sort of push and encourage and, and, and trap us into. And so I honestly think that that's why a lot of people stay in MLM 
is these people at the top, they know it's a scam. They see it. They can't not see it. I saw it when I was at the bottom of the top and I saw it. So those at the top of the top have to see it. Uh, they have to 100%. Know it's a scam. They have to be lying through their teeth, pretending that that's how it is because they know they have to pretend because it's the only way to convince the people underneath them to join because that's, they, they can't get out. They have no, they're so financially indebted. They've retired their husbands. Now their husbands are financially indebted to these MLMs. LuLaRoe was who we were talking about, but everybody's financially indebted. You can't leave because all of a sudden now all your bills, like you have zero and you're stuck. And how do you get out? And so these people, they are so like, they don't understand like how culty it is where you don't even have your own free will because the choices that you make in free will have consequences in the MLM as well as in the real world. And the, often the consequences in the MLM far outweigh the consequences in real life. Insane. Okay. So I made special LuLaRoe rapid fire questions. Cool. Katie, one word that encompasses how you feel about LuLaRoe. Dumpster fire. I love it. We're going to, we're going to allow the two word exemption. We're going to hyphenate that and we're going to allow it because LuLaRoe is a complete and total dumpster fire. Um, (laughs) A warning to somebody who's seen the documentary, who's, who knows what's up and still wants to join LuLaRoe. Um, Your worst memory of LuLaRoe. Oh God. I actually picked just one. Honestly, my worst <laughs> just memory. Just your favorite Lula, worst memory. My worst memory of LuLaRoe was when I quit and I told my son I quit and that was when I was pregnant. And he said, mommy, you don't have to go do clothes anymore and you can actually sit and play with me. That's and at that point was when I knew that, and he was about two at the time. So it's not like he was at an age that he would really understand. He really understands that that was going on. But the fact that he said that to me destroyed me. My kids asked me to. So I know exactly how that feels. Wow. Hardest lesson that you learned while in LuLaRoe? That no matter what, it, people, you should never bring family into business. Positive takeaway from your time in LuLaRoe? All the people I met, because I did meet some really good people. And I think that without LuLaRoe, I don't know that if I, I really would have learned to really trust myself because that was like the first like into time that like I really trusted my intuition. When Mark made the pics comment, I was like, I'm absolutely done. And I remember talking to our mega hun. And she was like, what do you mean? This is a problem. He didn't really mean it. You didn't, you don't understand the context of it. And I was on the call and I remember that I had screen recorded the call, that part of the call. And I couldn't believe that he had actually said that. And at the, right after he said it, he said, I'm going to get in trouble for this. So one that told me he knew exactly what he said and that it was going to be a problem for him later. I do remember that. that he said something to the effect of like, if you want, you'll get dirty if you get down in the mud and wrestle with the pigs or is when he yeah. called us stale pigs. It was that it was both of those comments. Oh, okay. like pretty, it was a rapid fire. It was one after the other stale pigs for not having our inventory. So 
Yeah. And our inventory is not we, stale. We are. And when you get down in the mud to wrestle with the pigs, you yourself get muddy. Yeah. In terms of like, don't talk to the haters that are leaving. Those are the pigs. And if you get down in the mud to wrestle with the mud, muddy pigs, the haters, then you yourself become like a negative muddy pig too. I mean, it was just really disgusting. Which was really weird because at the time there wasn't a lot of people leaving at that time. It was mostly people that just, it wasn't really working out for them. And there was a hundred percent buyback. So I totally understood their point for leaving. Oh, absolutely. I completely understand everybody's point for leaving. I wish I would have left at that point too. Um, but yeah, I just, he, I, I just, I can't believe some of the things that he said to us. I hope they yeah. show, I hope they showed it all in the documentary because I just. Or like the, it's not a pyramid scheme. We, we changed that part. <laughs> oh, well, I heard that they have deposition footage from Washington attorney anyway laughing and talking with you and reminiscing about the times in LuLaRoe and like how ridiculously similar our experience like I mean it's the same thing it's like the same story just like a couple months apart and you were smarter than me and you got out faster and I sold my team for more and you did you you were you were infinitely smarter than I was (laughs) I wonder honestly how many people sold their teams um because I, I think I'm one of the only people that I know that did that like that I've heard of a couple of different people selling their teams so I know that it happened for a few people but I think it was sort of like a shh, 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 we can make you happy by offering you this thing trying to make it look like it was a, a deal for us when it really benefited them more than anything because yeah. it maintained their house of cards by replacing the the one that was leaving with somebody else so the pyramid didn't fall and they could maintain the ranks. It was all about them in the end. Like, I wish I would have seen it and asked for more, like you said, but yeah, it really was all about them the whole time. Yeah, no, I made it totally about myself whenever like I was leaving. Cause like, that's how she presented it to me. She was like, well, how much do you want? I was like, well, how much can you afford? <laughs> Very good negotiating tactics, Katie. You're like, let's start with the highest number. I'll take it. <laughs> Double your onboarding costs. Done. Sold 13. I'll take cash. Certified check. No credit cards. No back office credits. No Lularo card. You remember how the cards used to bounce too? Like, yeah. oh, you have money there. Wait, no, you don't. Such a total nightmare. I hope, I hope all that stuff's in the documentary too. (laughs) They might have to do a season two and talk to other people. It's like insane. Like, I I have no idea. I'm so excited to find out what they put in there and like how much made it in and how much didn't get in. Thank you so much for speaking. I love it. I love that you, you know, corroborate a ton of stuff that's going to be in the movie and I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all of your anti-MLM friends as well. See you next time.